1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before.
1: A giant hairy creature, part 8, part man.
2: Mr. Dog.
1: Why, just look at that calendar. We've almost managed to beat 2016 back inside the tomb that spawned it, and just in time. It's the end of December, so that can only mean one thing. It's time for me to provide late delivery of our annual Christmas Eve scary story. I actually had every intention of recording this over the summer, but while I'm an amateur at many things, I'm an absolute pro when it comes to procrastination. I hope you'll pardon me for this, but rather than going to M.R. James or Poe or Lovecraft, I decided to share a story that I wrote myself. This story was first published in issue number 360 of Weird Tales magazine, and I was simply delighted to get something Lovecraftian in print in the very same magazine that brought us so many of the works of the old man from Providence. I hope you enjoy it. Monster Dog. The Thing in the Cellar by William Blake Smith This morning... As I descended the dark and foreboding staircase into the basement of my ancestral home, I noticed a gray, tentacular mass of quivering malevolence had forced its way into our world of flesh and made a nest on the floor near the washing machine. For most people, a mere glimpse of such dark, abysmal horror would send those poor unfortunates howling to the asylum, leaving sinister forces to work their evil unchecked. Rather than being overtaken with fear... I found myself calm and prepared to take action to remove this threat from my home. You might well question how someone of my youth and inexperience could wield the metal needed to stand up to such a terror, or for that matter, to even know of its existence. A few years ago, a book fair came to my school, and as the students wandered the squeaky metal racks of paperback romances and illustrated classics, I found myself examining a solitary, half-empty rack with a tattered label, which identified the contents with the epithet "used." There, on the dusty rack, midst yellowing books of unknown origin, I found a tattered copy of Howard Phillips Lovecraft's *Magnificent: The Shadow Over Innsmouth*. There were other tales in that volume as well, all helping me to see beyond the veneer and deep into the crawl spaces of the universe. From Arkham, to Innsmouth, to Dunwich, to Danvers, into the pages of this book and into the Dread Source and Guide to the Madness, an ancient book known as the Necronomicon, I found myself pulled as if falling into an open grave. I was a thrall to the old man from New England, and now the knowledge I had gained from him was going to help save my house and family. I thought it best to at least advise my stepfather of the situation in the basement, I found him in the kitchen leaning over the table with a cup of coffee in one hand and the other holding his chin. His fingers curled under his nose and his eyes were half open, much like an opium addicts in the height of that accursed drug dream. Sir, I think that some dark spawn of nameless terror has torn its way into our cellar seeking to swallow the living souls of the innocent. I spoke clearly and slowly. He looked at me and winced. What? he moaned shapeless horrors are loose in the cellar mankind may be in danger i said rephrasing to correct for his ignorance of the proper nomenclature you've been reading that lovecraft crap again haven't you he said uh no sir i lied just trying to keep you informed of the house's little quirks your mother and i told you not to read that junk he said Rather than argue, I made a hasty return to my bedroom. It was obvious I'd find no help with him. Stepfather's speech is very slurred in the morning, and I'm beginning to suspect he might be of Ensmith stock. I need to do some genealogical research when time permits. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he has to return to the sea at some point in the near future. I think that may be what happened to a lot of the ones Mother dated before him. Putting my petty family problems to the side, I refocused on the problem downstairs. It's always a good policy to do research before attempting to thwart the evil plans of nameless horror. There's a good chance that somebody's done the battle before you and can save not just your life, but also your time. So after a quick breakfast, I rode my bike down to the town library. Our town library is an old Victorian home which was converted to its present use after the owner died and left the building and a small collection of books as an endowment to the town. Little else has been done to further the growth of the institution locally, and only infusions of cash and books from the county library system have kept the place open. I secured my bike to the rusted rack out front and made my way through the large wooden doors. The lights inside were bright and the air smelled clean and dry. This made me uneasy as I looked about for that librarian. He was very ordinary, which also worried me greatly. It's my understanding that the stranger the librarian, the more likely the library is to have the kind of books that can really help you deal with stygian abominations such as the one in my cellar. Unfortunately, this man seemed very normal. He wore a sweater and jeans and was casually reading a paperback book. Never glum, however, I walked up to him and said, "'Pardon me, but do you have in this library "'a copy of the translated text of Abdul Al-Hazred, "'commonly known by those working in the fields of parapsychology "'as the Necronomicon?' "'Without looking up from the paperback, he said, "'Check the card catalog. If it's not there, come back.' "'Feeling a little disappointed, I proceeded over to the card catalog. "'The wooden shelves were dusty with disuse.' I tried Abdul Al Al Alizred, Al, Arabian Texts, Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, Dead Book. But finally, I concluded it was not there. I walked back to the checkout desk to speak with the librarian again. It's not there, I said. Without looking up from his book, he pulled out a form from the piles of paperwork beside him and said, Fill this
0: out. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever, uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a
1: quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably
0: won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show.
1: <laughs> so join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. It was a lending library form. Doubtful of the efficacy of such an effort, I nonetheless filled it out and returned to the man. "'We'll call you when it comes in,' he said. I left the library feeling sad and empty, knowing that I had gained no knowledge that might help me identify and destroy the evil that now resided in my very own address. What could I do? I did what any good hero would do under these circumstances. I got on my bike and I rode over to the community college to see if I could enlist the aid of a professor.' There, shielded from madness by the power of academia, surely insight into the destruction of evil could be found. Would it be archaeology or physics? I flipped a coin. Abe Lincoln's wise face told me that physics was the way to go. The smell of sulfur and an emergency evacuation map led me to a chemistry lab where some students were studying the effects of noxious fumes on the human lung. In the back of this lab... Behind the choking forms of the students stood the bespectacled form of Dr. Hibernius Grome. He was a chubby twenty-something and nearly bald. Tufts of thin yellow hair sought to escape the sides of his cherubic head. He was hunched forward and grinning as he watched the students roiling about in the yellow smoke. Making my way past the coffee people, I politely asked Dr. Grome, "'Have you any information pertinent to the destruction "'of shapeless tentacular masses of alien life "'with minimal risk to one's own life and limb?' "'Without a moment's thought, he said, "'Acid sounds like what you need!' "'And then he paused for a moment. "'Yes, very strong acid, unless the thing's leaving an acid trail?' "'He looked at me questioningly. "'Not not that I noticed,' I said. "'Well, you'd have noticed. Acid it is, then.' But if it had been trailing acid, you'd have wanted to use something really basic, like ammonia. F-Y-I, for your information. (laughs) He giggled. Clearly I'd come to the right place. Where can I buy acid, I asked. He whirled and looked around frantically for a moment, and then seemed to calm down again. Ah, yes. Acid. A-C-I-D. The kind you're looking for is at the hardware store. Muriatic acid should do the trick. It's good stuff, but not very fast. Still, it is cheap, and if you run quickly after applying it to the target in question, you have a good chance of survival. That's it? I asked. But he became distracted as one of the students passed out and fell to the floor with a solid whoop. Armed with my new knowledge, I left the classroom, mounted my too-tired steed, and pedaled off to the hardware store. The hardware store was a brick monstrosity right off the main square in town. Fortunately, that was only a few blocks from campus. Inside, past rows of nails, tools, bathroom fixtures, and an old pocket knife display were the bottles I sought for my dangerous mission. I hafted ten gallons of the corrosive onto the counter in the form of two clear plastic bottles. The elderly clerk's hand shook in a palsied manner as he bagged my order and took my money. "'Going to do some brick work, eh?' he asked. I smiled. It's good honest work, he said, handing me my change. I took the large paper bag that contained the two bottles and secured them to my book rack on my bike. Satisfied that the bottles wouldn't burst and melt, I began to pedal towards home. The house was mine to defend. Both of my parents' automobiles were gone and my sister was away with friends. It was for the best. While I could have used her help, one can't predict how anyone will react to the kind of splattering ichor and gore one might encounter in a situation like this. It isn't work for the weak-willed or the weak-stomached. Better that they all remain innocent of the dark and twisted dimensions unseen but not unfelt. Confident, I took my bottles and entered my house as sole guardian of sanity and peace. Looking back on it now, I suppose I should have known that the evil has a way of twisting itself to avoid detection. That evening found me resting quietly on the couch when my family began to reoccupy the territory I had fought for that day. All was well as my mother prepared dinner, but I still remember vividly her screams of horror upon descending the stairs to the cellar. Absolutely bone-cracking tones in that woman's voice. My stepfather ran downstairs to help her. I got up and peered down the shaft as well. They were both standing over a semi-spherical smoking mass of gray and white putrescence, No movement could be discerned from within that pile of evil thanks to me. Are you sure, honey? asked my stepfather. Yes, all of my stockings were in this basket and now they're ruined, she hissed back. I've made some sense of what happened, and now I've committed these ideas to paper. The human mind must work to find an acceptable substitute in order to avoid exposure to the cosmic nightmares that lurk just inside this shadow or just past that unopened doorway. We're surrounded by forces that watch us in silent anticipation, and humanity's blind to the danger. Despite their desire to ignore these facts, people need to be told the truth. For now, I think I'll read some more of the old Master's work. It'll have to tide me over until I'm no longer grounded. For you see, the library called me today. They have the Necronomicon.
2: Monster Talk.
1: Thanks for listening to the 2016 Monster Talk Christmas Special. I'm Blake Smith, and you just heard a reading of my short story, The Thing in the Cellar. I hope you enjoyed it. Monster Talk is an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. We'll be back to regular shows in January, and I hope you'll join us for the ride. We've got aliens and ghosts and many other interesting topics lined up to discuss in the new year. Monster Talk themed music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Thanks again for listening.